You're listening to Weekly Wisdom, the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield, New Jersey. This episode is a sermon preached by Reverend Marvin Lindsay on Easter Sunday, 2023. It's titled, No Fear, and it explores the theme of fear in Matthew's account of the resurrection of Jesus, and also reflects on the role that fear plays in our lives as disciples. We hope that you'll enjoy it. friends, a graphic artist, paint the words, no fear, on the wall of his art studio. He thought that was cool, and he printed up some t-shirts with it, and they sold like hotcakes. And some time passed, and the no fear apparel brand became a $200 million behemoth. No fear t-shirts, hoodies, and jerseys became the signature wear for skateboarders, for motocross riders, for BMX racers, and other extreme athletes, and for anyone who embraced the ethos of the brand, which was basically uh, contempt for death, contempt for law and order, contempt for social conventions and mores. I was thinking this week, maybe the angel who came down to roll away the stone didn't actually say, do not be afraid. Maybe he just grabbed that massive rock and shoved it out of the way and then, you know, free soloed his way to the top and sat there with his feet dangling and turned around and the no fear hoodie set it all for him. What do you think? And it probably wasn't like that. Um, But then no fear disappeared. It was a victim of its own success. Uh, about 15 years ago, you could see No Fear bumper stickers on white minivans. And if you're an edgy teenager, you are not going to look to the bumper stickers of white minivans for fashion inspiration. The company filed for bankruptcy in 2011. And it was a good thing. It was time. No Fear's demise was timely. You know, in the 1990s, you had to go to a skate park where you had to go around a dirt bike track to find something to be afraid of. There was nothing to fear in the 90s. Those were the good old days. The Berlin Wall had fallen. Nuclear war was a thing of the past. Climate change was barely in the public consciousness. Artificial intelligence was still the stuff of science fiction. Man, those were the days. I know some of you think that the 50s were the good old days, but really it was the 90s that were the good old days. No fear in 2023? Who are you kidding? All of us are scared to death of something or another. There's a dictator in Russia rattling nuclear savers. The UN Climate Change, the Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change just issued what they call their final warning that we have to take drastic and immediate action to avert a climate apocalypse. The scientists have been counting to three and they're on two and a half now. And artificial intelligence can write better essays than a college freshman and it can generate more beautiful art than someone who has a BFA degree. In a few years, you won't need a minister. Your administrative assistant will just ask Chat GPT to write a sermon on the resurrection and will ask a voice generator to preach it. In fact, you won't just need a minister. Most of us won't be needed. <sighs> I miss the good old days. Now, truth be told, the good old days weren't always that good. There was a war in Europe in the 1990s. There was a global pandemic in the 1990s, AIDS. It's still with us. It's still killing people. Despite the recent 
uh, surge in crime. Violent crime was much worse in the 1990s than it is today. You know, some wise person once said, things weren't simpler when you were young. You were simpler when you were young. Or the ancient church historian Gregory of Tours, uh, this is how he began his history of the Frankish people. He writes, a great many things keep happening. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. That was true about the 6th century A.D., and it's true about the 21st century A.D. It was true about the 20th century A.D. There's always something to rejoice about, and there's always something to tremble over. It was even true of the first Easter. Christ is risen! Hallelujah! But Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were scared. They needed repeated assurances that there was nothing to be afraid of. What did they fear? Why were they afraid? Are their fears the same as yours and mine? Can we learn anything from their fears about how to face our own fears? That's what I want to talk about in the rest of this sermon. They were afraid for at least three reasons. The first reason is they were afraid because they feared the supernatural, as nearly all of us do. Lightning is scary, and that's a natural phenomenon. A being who looks like lightning, well, if you're not scared of that, you're not paying attention. Ghosts are creepy enough. The dead raised in a body that can never suffer or die again, well, that's got to make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Now, I know this is where some of you want to get off the train. You want to go home. You want to watch the Masters instead of listening to this. Because... You watch The Walking Dead for entertainment, but you don't actually believe the dead have walked among us. Come on, man. You ask me to believe that? Well, to you, I would just repeat the words that Shakespeare put in the mouth of Hamlet. There are more things in heaven and on earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Philosophy is the Renaissance word for science. There are more things in heaven and on earth ratio than are dreamt of in your science. There are people among us this morning who have seen angels. There are people in other congregations who have gathered this morning who have experienced things that the word coincidence can't do justice to. They won't tell you because like Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they're afraid of being ridiculed. And the Marys were ridiculed when they went to tell the boys Peter and James and John, the disciples scoffed. Old wives' tales, they said. But these here among us, and our sisters and brothers and friends in Christ and other congregations, they may yet overcome their fear, and they may yet tell you what they have seen and what they have heard. And you will have to decide if their testimony is credible. Is there something on the other side of the veil? Is there one who has gone over and has come back with good news of what lies beyond? Does he really extend a hand to us? Dare we put our hand in his hand? Do not be afraid. Trust the testimony today. Christ is risen. Second reason why they were afraid is that the resurrection would mean a loss of control over their own lives. The Presbyterian minister and former seminary dean, Tom Curry, has asked, if death doesn't have the final word, what becomes of all of our strategies 
to save it off. And there are many strategies for staying one step ahead of the reaper. If the dead are raised, what becomes of the war criminals who filled up graves in Bucha with the slaughtered innocent? And what will become of those slaughtered innocents who are lying in their graves, crying for justice? And what will become of the tanks and the artillery that we are sending to Ukraine to match and overcome the enemy's tanks and artillery? If the dead are raised, what will become of our paleo diets, our keto diets, our Atkins diets, and our intermittent fasting schedules? What will become of our Fitbits and our Pelotons? What will become of our facelifts and our life assumptions? If the dead are raised, what will become of our guns and our prisons and our laws? Tom Curry adds, we would rather have self-improvement than resurrection because you must die to be resurrected and you must learn to depend not on yourself but on what John Calvin calls the succession of miracles that has always sustained the people of God. Is that how we want to live? That's scary. And that brings us to the third reason they were afraid. They were afraid because it was not just any old person whom God raised from the dead. It was Jesus of Nazareth, crucified, dead, and buried, whom God raised from the dead. And Jesus of Nazareth was not just some ordinary martyr. After teaching his students a method for discovering truth and justice, Socrates, the great philosopher of ancient Greece, serenely drank the hemlock that the Athenians ordered him to drink. But there is no testimony that God raised Socrates from the dead. The testimony is that Jesus, who did not die serenely, but sweated blood in the garden contemplating his death, who died in physical agony and spiritual torment, demanding to know why God had forsaken him. This Jesus is the one whom God raised from the dead. On Easter, God overturned the worst injustice in human history. God raised and glorified a man who did not deserve the sufferings he endured. This is good news. It is also news that makes our palms sweaty and makes our stomachs churn. For it means that what Jesus said about bearing the cross is true. And that his invitation to us to take up a cross is the only way to life. It means that what stands between us and life is torment and loneliness of some kind or another. Crosses tailor-made to put to death those sins that we struggle with the most. In C.S. Lewis's novel, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there is this exchange between these children who have gotten lost in the land of Narnia and some animals who have befriended them. And the exchange is about the rumored arrival of Aslan, who symbolizes Christ in the novel. Is Aslan a man? Asked Lucy, little girl. Aslan a man? Said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he is a king. He is king of the woods and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Aslan is a lion. A great lion. Oh, said Susan. Is he quite safe? I should feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. 
That you will, my dear, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. If the news that God raised Jesus from the dead doesn't make your knees knock, you've either been around the dirt track one too many times, or you are, in the Beaver's words, a tad silly. But the news that God raised Jesus from the dead is also news that can make joyful the hearts of the most frightened and the most grief-stricken and the most jaded among us. The news is God's great promise to us that every wrong will be righted, that every wound will be healed, and that every tear will be dried. Believe that good news. Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, and buried, has been raised from the dead. In his name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.